0: Hey, good morning, good morning, man, it is so great that the church is meeting and worshiping together today, even though you're not here, we're still meeting and worshiping together today because I know there's a lot of uh, kingdom outposts out there in Sun City Center, the church is meeting, and in South Tampa, and in Riverview, and Plant City, and Temple Terrace, Zephyr Hills. We are glad that the church is getting together and the Bay Area family is getting together in worship this morning. Glad that you joined us today, wherever you are. And before I get started this morning, I want to first say thank you to all of you who paid attention to last week's sermon and actually counted the number of times that I quoted Romans 5, 3, and 4. I had like 25, 28 people give me an answer, a guess as to how many times I quoted that verse. By the way, it was 11. But if you guessed any number, that meant that obviously you were paying attention. So kudos to you on that. Thanks so much to our Bay Area kids for paying such close attention and their parents as well. I've got another challenge for you. It's actually for next week, and I'm going to warn you, it's going to be a tough one but i know you kids and maybe even some of your parents and some of you adults can rise to the uh, to the challenge. Next week is Easter. And we're going to be sharing Easter service together just like we are today. And i'm going to talk about the resurrection, but here's my challenge for you for next week. I want you kids and maybe you adults, i want you to write a poem about God. It doesn't have to be long. In fact, it's better if it's not long. Doesn't have to be real involved. You know, kids, it might be something as simple as roses are red, violets are blue, God loves me and he loves you too. Something that simple. But I'm challenging you write a poem about God, or if you're very bold, write a poem about the resurrection. Because next week, I want to share some of those poems that you have written uh, in, in our lesson, in our thoughts. So don't write about other things. I mean, don't write, here's an apple, here's a peach. I fall asleep when Tim starts to preach. Don't write any poems about that, Stefanko. I want a poem about either God or the resurrection and then post it in the comments on Facebook or you can email it to me, you can text it to me but I want to share some of your thoughts uh, about God and about the resurrection next week. So that's your challenge for this week. Um, I want to share with you something before we get started too that, that I saw, you know, we're all spending a lot more time at home. We're spending a lot more time on the internet. You're on the internet right now. And if I saw some things on the internet, there's probably a pretty good chance that you saw it too. But I saw something this past week on the internet and it was a list of questions that made you stop and go, hmm. Sounded like some questions to make you think a little bit. Some some really deep questions. So let me share a couple of those with you. Again, maybe you heard some of these. What if my dog only brings the stick back because he thinks I love throwing the stick? Hmm. How about this one? If poison is past its expiration date, is it more poisonous or is it no longer poisonous? Hmm. Or this, in the word scent, S-C-E-N-T, you know, the smell, in the word scent, which letter is silent, the S or the C? Never thought about that before. Or how about this? Do twins realize that one of them is unplanned? Wow. Or maybe oxygen is slowly killing us, and it just takes like 80 or 100 years for it to finally work. And then finally, have you ever realized that it's just as hard to intentionally lose a game of rock, paper, scissors as it is to try and win a game of rock, paper, scissors? Now, I'm going to pause for just a minute and let the laughter subside in your living room, because I know you're all laughing right now. Actually, one of the things I sort of enjoy about uh, preaching to a camera, when I tell a joke, I don't get the same blank stares and like the, um, what a stupid joke look that I usually get with my jokes, even though I know that's the look you're giving me right now, but I don't have to see it, so I got that going for me. You know, I wouldn't exactly call those deep questions questions, Not really looking for answers to those questions, but this morning I do want you to think a little bit about some of the things that causes you to just stop and go, hmm, I wonder. Some of the things that you question, some things that maybe stress you out, some things that keep you up at night, staring at the ceiling, maybe some doubts or some fears that you just can't quite seem to shake. Now, researchers tell us that 20% of Americans suffer from some kind of social anxiety disorder. And that's on top of just the regular stress that life brings, the stress of work and relationships and, and jobs and security and families and marriages, all those pressures that we kind of put on ourselves and all those pressures that other people put on us um, leads for some really sleepless nights and some Tiresome days, maybe now more than ever. So we work very hard to find peace and we find, work very hard to find rest. And we sort of long for rest and peace, right? We buy better mattresses. We get white noise machines to drown out other noise so that we can sleep better. We get pills and medication to, to help us sleep at night. Such a paradox. We work so hard to be able to rest. And yet, intellectually, we understand that real rest only comes from God. Now, this week, again, I want to use a New Testament passage. It's going to be familiar to you. But I want to use that New Testament passage to sort of act as a springboard for an Old Testament story. And the New Testament passage that I want to use as an anchor text this morning is one that I think is really timely in the times that we're living in right now. It's found in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, verse 28. It's Jesus speaking. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew 11:28. 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle, and you'll find what? Rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. We know those verses. We love those verses. And we understand when Jesus said that, he knew what he was talking about. And Jesus absolutely was speaking truth when he said that, and we intellectually believe that. And yet, we live our lives carrying around all this anxiety and all these doubts and all these fears, all these questions. But when Jesus said, uh, come to me and I'll give you rest, he didn't say it as a, a possibility. He said it as a promise. Come to me, you who weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. So I'll ask you again. What keeps you up at night? What causes you to worry? What, what causes you to, to stare at the ceiling, and just kind of mull things around in your mind? You know, if this quarantine situation, this social distancing thing, if the, the, the virus situation has taught us anything, I think it's taught us that we all sort of struggle with the question of what's next. You know, we really get hung up on what's going to happen Next. You asking any of those questions in the last couple weeks? What's going to happen next? I think we've always struggled with that question. What's going to happen next? We've always worried about what's going to happen next. You think about relationships that we worry about. What's going to happen next with that person? You think about your finances. What's going to happen next week? What's going to happen at the end of the month? What's going to happen when I retire? What happens? Next, you think about a job situation. I know a lot of you right now, a lot of us, we're all thinking about job situations. You know, what's going to happen next? Am I going to have a job when this is all over? Think about families. What's going to happen next with my kids? What's going to happen next with my aging parents? What's going to happen next in in my marriage? You know, we're concerned and we're consumed with what happens next? Where's my life going? What's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year? Will my future turn out the way that I hope it does? Let me remind you of an old movie that I think all of you are going to be familiar with. Remember the movie Back to the Future? It came out 35 years ago. Hard to believe. But in the movie Back to the Future, very clever film, um, Michael J. Fox stars as a teenager named Marty McFly, And he travels back in time. He's living in 1985, and he travels back in time 30 years. Remember how he gets there? It's in a DeLorean. Yeah. And when he goes back 30 years, he inadvertently meets his parents before they meet. And sort of by accident, he disrupts the way they meet. And that puts in question how they meet and how they fall in love and you know, when they'll have kids. And because of that, his very existence and the existence of his siblings is put into jeopardy. So really the whole movie is Marty McFly trying to get his parents to meet and fall in love so that they'll get married, so that he and his siblings you know, will exist. And do you remember how he sort of kept track of his progress through that? It was with a picture that he had. Do you remember that? He had a photograph of himself and his brother and his sister. And do you remember what kept happening to the picture as the movie went along? As things seemed to be going farther and farther from the way that it should go, the picture of him and his siblings started to fade a little bit and started to almost disappear a little bit. And so Marty's in this panic that his future is never going to turn out the way he is sure that his future should turn out. You know, for most people, that's how we live our lives. We're not stuck in the past, but we're carrying around a picture of our future that we are holding on to so tightly, and we are so convinced that this is how my future has to play out, this is how my future has to look, and we get so anxious that something might be happening that's causing that future not to play out. We want our future to turn out exactly like the picture that we're carrying in our minds. And so we live life with this fear that something's going to happen, that something's going to happen, and my picture's starting to fade. My picture of this, this future that, that I long for, is starting to disappear. And if I don't do something pretty quick, I'm going to lose that perfect picture of my future. Listen, would it surprise you to learn that God has a picture of your future that probably looks nothing like your picture of your future? Would it surprise you to learn that that God has an idea of how your life can turn out and how it should turn out, and there's a real good chance that the picture that he has for your future looks nothing like the picture that you have for your future? You know, we spend these sleepless nights worrying about how things are going to ha- turn out, what's going to happen next. I told you we're headed to the Old Testament this morning, and, and we are, all the way back to the book of Genesis. So you can go ahead and be turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12 is where we're going to be. We're going to talk about a guy by the name of Abraham. We could talk about Abraham for a long, long time, but I want to talk just about one little section of his story and I think, especially in these times we're living in, it's an important section of his story. We we pick up Abraham's story in Genesis 12, and he's a man who is just busy living life. He's got responsibilities. He's got a little bit of an education. He's got a family. He has a a, a living that he is pursuing. Maybe he's thinking about a retirement plan. You know, he's he's a busy guy. He's got a lot of plates spinning, and I don't think that human nature has really changed very much i suspect that that when we pick up the story here in genesis 12 with abraham he's probably thinking about the same things that we think about probably worrying about the same things that we worry about my family you know my my situation my finances my future and then god comes along and has some amazing words for Abraham. Let's pick it up in in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read the first four verses of Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, he's still called Abram here, but it's Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Again, we know this story. We love this story. Lots of observations, lots of applications that we could make even just out of this passage, but I just want to make one. I just want to kind of focus on one part, and I think it's a significant part. In the middle of a very uncertain life, God comes to this guy named Abraham, and instead of taking away all the uncertainties, he actually adds uncertainty. He doesn't take away all the doubts or all the fears. He's actually adding some doubts and fears to Abraham's life. But God gives Abraham two words to live by, two really important words found in this passage. And these two words make up the one point that I really have in my message today. And the two words that God gives Abraham are, I will. In those four verses in Genesis 12, six times God tells Abraham, I will. In fact, seven, if you read the right translation but over and over again, God is telling Abraham, I will get you where I want you to be. I will make sure your future looks like I think it will look. I will protect you. I will bless you. Six different times, God tells Abraham, I will. Now, think about what God doesn't tell Abraham. He doesn't tell Abraham, I might. He certainly doesn't tell Abraham, I can't. He doesn't tell Abraham, I'll think about it. In fact, he doesn't tell Abraham, you will, or you have to, or you better. He doesn't tell him any of those things. He just simply tells Abraham over and over again, I will. I will. You know, there are a lot of different companies whose sole purpose is to try to prepare us for the future. They're in business to help us deal with accidents or injuries, things like that. We call them insurance companies. It's a strange business, really, when you think about it. You pay insurance companies this money hoping that you never get any of it back, right? Or if you're talking about life insurance, you pay this company this money all your life, and then when you die, then they pay you back. It's kind of a strange business, really. My apologies to Gary. But I'm all for it. I carry insurance, absolutely. But it's interesting how these companies market themselves. They're very creative in their slogans. Let me share with you a couple insurance company slogans that you'll be familiar with. This is from Lincoln National. If your future self could talk to you, what would it say? Ooh, that makes you think, doesn't it? How about this from Mass Mutual? You can't predict. You can prepare. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. This from Woodman of the world. With you through life. Comforting. And we all know you're in good hands with Allstate. But really, whose hands are you in? Whose good hands are you really in? And who can predict the future and who really is with you through life and if your future self really could talk to yourself now if your future self like a hundred years from now could talk to yourself now what would it say and of course again we know God's our only real insurance and maybe insurance isn't the right word maybe assurance is the right word I mean our, our rest and our peace our hope our safety, our security, they're found in God's good hands. A God who interrupts our world with two really important words. I will. Remember, this isn't some organization I'm talking about that might run out of resources someday. It's not some flawed person that's making promises and you kind of wonder, is you going to be able to keep those promises? It's not somebody that you're afraid might... Uh, Just forget about the the deal that you had. Not at all. We're talking about God who's making these promises. And so God comes to Abraham, who's pretty much minding his own business, and God tells Abraham with an interruption, I want want you to put your life in my hands. I'm going to get you where I want you to be, but I'm going to tell you right up front My picture of your future probably doesn't look anything like your picture of your future, Abraham. However, I want you to know I will. I will get you to where I want you to be. We serve a God who says, I will. And for those of you who are discouraged or heartbroken, God says, I will give you strength when you need it. For those of you who are dealing with health issues, God says, I will heal. I will give you hope. For those dealing with financial stress, God says, I will provide for you. And for those of you, those of us who are worried and anxious about a a virus that seems to be getting worse instead of getting better, God says, I will be with you. I will give you peace. I will give you comfort. Listen, if you are willing to trust God, nothing of eternal value is ever at risk. And that's a great statement to be able to make. Let me make it again. If you're willing to trust God, nothing of eternal value is ever at risk because we serve a God who has promised us over and over again, I Will. You can sleep well at night. You're in good hands. Now, as great as that sounds, and it is good news, it does come with a catch. There is a little bit of fine print involved. God says, You're going to have to trust me. I will do all these things I'm promising, but you're going to have to trust that I know what I'm doing. You're going to have to trust that I see a bigger picture than you could possibly imagine. You're going to have to trust the fact that I have your best interest at heart. You're going to have to trust me. And guess what? That's where we we, we get a little bit hesitant because that kind of trust, that kind of faith, sounds risky, doesn't it? You know, just like God came and gave Abraham really more uncertainty when when he challenges him, You know, trusting God, that's a little bit risky because I don't know what's going to happen next. Because, you know, things happen. There's twists and there's turns, uh, a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainties. And I want to know how it's all going to work out. I want to know exactly how my life is going to progress. I want to know how I'm going to end up with that picture. Look back at what God tells Abraham. He tells Abraham, go. Abraham says, go where? God says, to where I tell you to go. And Abraham says, where's that? And God says, I'll let you know. And again, that's where we say, whoa, hold up. Nope, I don't want that. I want a step-by-step, turn-by-turn, event-by-event description of exactly how my life is going to play out. I don't want any unknowns. I don't want any uncertainty. I don't want to have to step out on faith. But God doesn't give us a Google map of our future, does he? Instead, he gives us this great adventure with a promise that if you trust me, I will make sure that that picture you're holding on so tightly to is going to be replaced by something so much more fulfilling. And again, that kind of faith has a a risky feel to it. You know, you keep reading Abraham's story. Abraham goes where God tells him to go. He gets there and he finds out there's Canaanites living there. So so he keeps going. he ends up in the wilderness, sort of in the middle of nowhere. There's a famine. He eventually is in Egypt... And I'm sure Abraham had to be thinking to himself, wow, how did this all happen? You know, I remember back home when I had all that safety and all that security and I had this picture of my future and I knew exactly how it was going to play out and I knew exactly what it was going to look like. And man, look at me now. But of course, we know the rest of Abraham's story, don't we? We've read the book, right? We know that Abraham lives this amazing, amazing life. In fact, I think Abraham would tell you that that his life really began when he was 75 years old. His life really began when God interrupted him with a different picture of his future and a promise that said, I will. There's a line in the third chapter of Lamentation that tells us that God's mercies, God's blessings are new every morning. God was... Faithful yesterday. God is faithful today. And we have the promise that God's going to be faithful tomorrow. God's going to be faithful no matter what is next. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. So do not worry saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now notice, Jesus doesn't say, don't worry about those things. Those things aren't important. He does say don't worry about them, but he doesn't say they're not important. What you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Those are important things. God knows about those things. God cares about those things. But Jesus' message is really in the next verse, the next uh, phrase, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom. You know, and one of the operative words there is first. Seek first the kingdom, not second, not on weekends, not just at church. First means first before everything else. So I've got to be diligent, and I've got to be aware of ways that I can serve and... Love and show people the the love of Jesus. Uh, I've got to be diligent and conscientious about how I'm planning my tomorrow. So, like Marty McFly, you think about that picture that you've been holding on to so tightly of what you're just sure your future is going to look like a year from now or five years from now or 20 years from now. All the details of that picture And instead of holding on to that picture so tightly, may we learn to just say, God, you got a better picture in mind, don't you? (sighs) May we have the risky faith to say, you know what, God? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing. I'm going to trust that you know more about me and what's good for me than I know about me and what's good for me. I'm going to trust in the God who promises I will. Trust me, I will. I will protect you. I will get you where I want you to be. I will make sure that your life is fulfilling. I will make sure that your life matters. I will bless you. And that picture at the end is going to be a beautiful picture. You know, as we live through this very historic time, I hope that I'm not the only one who's trying to learn to let go of some of the things that I've been holding on to way too tightly. I hope I'm not the only one who's realizing what's really kind of important around me. And I hope I'm not the only one who's trying to better understand that God is the one who has promised us peace and rest. And all those sleepless nights that I find myself going through, worried about what's next, I'm trying to just turn it over to God. Put it in His hands. The God who promises, I will. Let's pray. Father, we long for peace. We long for rest. We long to know what's next. We're all weary and we're carrying heavy burdens. And at a time like this, would you remind us that we serve a God who over and over again promises, I will. Father, give us the faith to trust your picture of our future. Give us the humility to let go of our own needs to control everything. And give us the wisdom to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Our singers are gonna uh, share one more song. We. Want